0: Welcome to Sacred Realms. Ah! It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Willoughby. Matt, how are you doing?
1: I'm fantastic, Lyndon. It is uh, January. It is cold, finally. It is, um, you know, it's been good. It's a good new year. Um, We had a phenomenal episode last week, and uh, just kind of riding that Zelda high. That's keeping me going as I'm also trying to get back in the work swing. And then, you know, we're, just, we're riding this fine line, but we're on the fantastic side of it right now. It could easily tip one way or the other, but we're on the fantastic side right now.
0: You are correct, Matt. It did indeed get cold this week. Stop the presses, everyone. It is no longer 70 degrees in Texas. So
1: it is uh, actually like 25 right now or something. That's and I know many people who live in other climates where that's like a spring day, but that's really effing cold in Texas.
0: Well, I was actually talking to some of my new co-workers about that this week. Um, for all of you who have been keeping up with the show for a little while, you know that I uh, was getting ready to start my new job at video game developer Bungie with Max Nichols as my co-worker now, um, which is a lot of fun, and I've enjoyed that first week very much. Also, I believe I actually need to start off by saying that I am now an employee of Bungie, and all opinions that I express on this podcast about Zelda are my own opinions and not those representative of Bungie. So I think do I do you have
1: to say that every time or is that there's that like a one time in perpetuity I, thing?
0: I think it's the one time in perpetuity thing. Um although <laughs> if like if spicy takes about any more recent games ever start popping off, then I I think I'm kind of like compelled to to reiterate yeah. you know just for the sake of being uh politic but uh yep. yes so anywho did start that job this week but i was um i was talking to some of my new coworkers who live in the greater seattle area which is also having i, I what i gather is an unseasonably cold and um even uh freezing precipitation oriented uh weather <laughs> event so i was telling them "Is like yeah it's finally getting cold down here in texas and they're like okay yeah well what's cold though i was like i mean it hit like it got down to 15 degrees the other night. I feel like that's pretty chilly for just about anywhere. Like, oh yeah, yeah that's, that's fair. That's pretty chilly for just about anywhere.
1: <laughs> it's pretty chilly.
0: So yes, it is chilly here. We're not the only ones, but it is uh, it is somewhat new and interesting for us. So yeah, I like it. I like a little winter weather to go on with. I need my I winter need seasons. You
1: know? Yeah, I need seasons in my life. Like uh, one of my favorite coworkers that I work with. Uh, he lives in California. And, uh, he, he's like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, kind of winter weathery. And I was like, what does that mean? He's like, well, it got down to like 40 and I was like, okay, that still (laughs) is not like winter. Um, so I was like, yeah, in Southern California, you guys have one season and it is basically like spring, summer, spring. And that's pretty much all you get.
0: Well, the the unfortunate thing is that in Texas, even when we do get brutally cold temperatures, um, we still are never going to get the beautiful changing uh, foliage colors of other parts of the United States. So I guess guess that's just part of living in Texas. One of those things you learn to live with.
1: And when we do get snow, it's mostly ice. It is is not fun.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or it's not. And our state shuts down anyway.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The entire <laughs> state from Amarillo all the way down to Brownsville. So yeah. everything shut down.
0: From, L- from Laredo to Dallas and from Juarez to Tyler. <laughs> the whole, the, I yeah, guess Juarez, is
1: all gone.
0: Juarez is in Mexico, but I guess that'd be yeah, El, El Paso, but whatever. Um, yeah. Anywho, yeah oh Close man enough, geographically Any, that's speaking that's enough complaining about the weather though matt i do have to say it is after after last week's um guest extravaganza it is very strange to be talking to just you again
1: yeah i know we had a we had a little nice uh quadrangle square rectangle whatever you want to call it going on last week and it resulted in the beefiest episode of sacred realms to date uh but 100 percent worth the journey so it very happy to have that but you know Lyndon, these little uh let's call it intimate fireside chats they're they're just as rewarding
0: they are indeed um Matt I know you don't typically go back and listen to episodes of the pod on a week to week basis, but did you happen to go back and uh and give last week's uh, a listen
1: I have not it did just come out yesterday and i've i' have i am about to go on vacation next week so I'm trying to do I'm working like a madman trying to get everything wrapped up, so I have not had the chance to go back and listen no
0: that's all very i do plan
1: I do plan on listening to that episode. Um, that's a, it's one that I'm very interested to hear all the way through.
0: I highly recommend it. Um, for anyone who is not caught up, I don't know why you'd be listening to this episode before that one, but we did have Max Nichols, uh, a recurring guest on this podcast along with his longtime friend, Melora, um, in addition to myself and Matt. So it's a four, it was a four guest show. We covered a lot of great topics and I'm, uh, I'm quite proud of that episode. Actually, I think it was a really, really great one.
1: It was a very good one. We had a lot to talk about and and we didn't just talk about that section of game, which is always my favorite time on this podcast when we branch out from just the the section and we talk about the game as a whole and its effect on other games in the series and, and watch and like trying to link it all together, right? To not only retrospective on that chunk, but retrospective on the series, right? Like that's kind of our, that has always been like our goal for this podcast has been, looking at the Zelda series as a whole, and yes, doing that week-to-week, chunk-to-chunk, but then kind of tying it all back together in the uh, macrocosm of Zelda. And uh, last week, we did a lot of that.
0: Yep, I could not agree more. Um, yeah, man, I, like, I wouldn't want to do four guests on every episode, because it really does. Yeah, like it's a, it's a lot. It, 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 it is, but like if you have the right four guests, and I think it can be really magical. So I'd be Absolutely. willing to say we'll probably do that again.
1: I, I would definitely uh, 100% say we will. We, we've we done it with Ben and Pat from Hyrule Warriors, or uh, Hyrule Podcasters, and then uh, <laughs> Hyrule Warriors. <laughs> Whoops.
0: Ben, Hyrule Podcasters? Ben and Pat of noted Nintendo game Age of Calamity.
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah, Max and Melora. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Well, cool, cool. Matt, uh, I know that we've got a lot to get into this week. We had, um, you know, continuing the trend that we've been on the last few weeks, we had an increasingly complex section of the game and an increasingly difficult dungeon to go along with it. So definitely lots to talk about there that we should probably get into,
1: but let's get into some
0: housekeeping
1: before we do that. Yes. I don't know if you saw this, Lyndon, but I want to take two seconds to talk about our podcast in general. We have so much to be thankful for on Sacred Realms, just in general. We've had Hold on. so much fun. Are
0: you about to do the, the Breath of the Wild thing? No. Oh, okay. I'll cut this out then.
1: Okay. We have so much to be thankful for at Sacred Realms. We have so much fun doing this. And honestly, the only reason, not the only reason, but one of the biggest reasons we have so much fun is because we know that there are a lot of y'all out there that are enjoying this journey with us. And this past Monday, we found out just how many of you have joined us on this journey throughout 2021. Uh, and it was a find that out. shocking number of people. And just a massive shout out to all of y'all. We had over 15,000 downloads of our podcast in 2021. And when Linda and I started this podcast and we just had this random dream and this idea to come on and just talk about Zelda... We, I personally never even dreamed that we would hit 5,000 downloads in a year. Like we had no idea the scope of what we were getting into. And I just wanted to say from Lyndon and I, thank you all so much for going on this journey with us, for being a part of our podcast, for being a part of our community and for, you know, enjoying these games with us and for just Just bearing with us as we go through some of our crazy shenanigans and all the wonderful, kind Twitter and Instagram messages that we get from you guys. Just thank you all so much. 15,000 downloads in about eight months is just insane. So um, thank you guys. We want to just throw that out there.
0: Hey, I'll second that forward and backward all day, every day. Um, This has been uh, truly an incredible time. I think we have both felt very rewarded by this whole thing. We considered it very much to be an experiment uh, when we got started up uh, in the first place. And, uh, we were not sure that it was going to have any level of success whatsoever. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we may not be putting up, you know, tens of thousands of downloads per episode, but we've got our people who really enjoy this show. We know who they are. Um, they, you know, they keep up with us on social media and, um, we've heard their stories and I feel like we're all kind of building something together. So here's to that.
1: Cheers to that. Yep. Well, uh, we'll do a little virtual cheers. So clink.
0: Clinkies, yeah. Uh, if you if you were actually drinking something when the virtual clink happened, please reply to us on Twitter and let us know what you were drinking because we always want to know that.
1: That is one of our <laughs> other favorite things besides Zelda is drinkies.
0: It is. We love it. I am actually not <laughs> drinking anything tonight because Colleen and I are attempting to do Dry January. So.
1: So I was doing that as well until I went to a work dinner last night with my close group of coworkers and the Italian restaurant we went to was doing 50% off bottles of wine and you could take home what you didn't finish. So Uh, I was like, "Mm, I just can't pass that up.
0: They got you on the the discount, Matt.
1: They did. They got me on the 50% off. (laughs) And uh, so I'm finishing that glass of Italian. uh, It's not Italian. Malbecs mostly come from Argentina. So I'm finishing off this glass of Argentinian Malbec and that will be all the alcohol I have until I go to Mexico next week.
0: Well, you can't, you can't be... Staying faithful to dry January in Mexico.
1: No, I mean it is a, it is <laughs> uh, it is a prerequisite of being on vacation in Mexico that you are going to drink a lot of uh frilly drinks with umbrellas in them.
0: Yeah, so. nobody nobody expects you to take that bullet, Matt. We all support you. <laughs>
1: Thank you. We'll uh, we'll make up for it with extending dry January into a little bit of February. Okay. We'll, we'll try to even it out. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out.
0: That sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, I will maybe hold you to that, but also I don't feel like you know. I don't think you. Will, I don't feel no. like being a hard ass, so I probably I probably <laughs> won't. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, let's get into a little bit of housekeeping. If you didn't know, Sacred Realms is a weekly reexamination of the Legend of Zelda one little slice at a time. Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks that we know of. Right. I don't think anyone's ever replied to us and said, you are not on my network of choice.
1: I I do not remember a single instance of that now.
0: Every week, we play a new section of a Zelda game and then we sit down here to talk and to drop our hot takes. If that sounds fun to you, please head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and be sure to leave us a review. Five star reviews are greatly appreciated and they have a chance to get a shout out here on the show. I've been told that Spotify reviews um, are actually available on that platform now, but I went to Spotify and tried to do it the other day and I couldn't actually find it. So I don't know if it's. So
1: you can only do star ratings. You can't write a review on Spotify, it's just star ratings.
0: Right, but I couldn't find it. Those either. So I don't know if I was just looking in the wrong place or if it's like something that they're rolling out and I just don't have it yet. I mean, the app was updated and everything, but anywho. I
1: mean, I see it. We have 14 five star reviews on uh, Spotify right now
0: oh hey well thank you to all 14 of you who have gone ahead and done that we appreciate you very much um i will s- keep checking and see if i can't find where that's at i'm sure i'm just being a dummy and not looking in the right place but
1: come on then and you work for a video game design company you have to know how a technology works
0: i know i feel bad right now i feel like a bad professional that's okay <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there if you want more sacred realms in your life you can head over to patreon.com sacred realms pod to get access to bonus episodes write in listener mail vote on what game we play next, and so much more. Before we get into this section of the game that we're going to play this week, Matt, I think it's time for us to have a short conversation with our uh, listeners about what we're playing next.
1: I think that that is long overdue. I
0: think it is long Let's overdue. It. It's, tip- it's typically late in the season when we kind of start having this conversation anyway. And wouldn't you know it, we're actually late in the season of A Link to the Past right now, which is wild, but...
1: I know that's actually that's crazy. Yeah, it's been fat It's gone by way too fast, which is what we said about Skyward Sword. I think we've said this about every single game that we've played. Yeah, but you get late in the season and it just doesn't feel like. It's
0: yeah, well, it's a, it's an ever game. it's an evergreen sentiment. They never you know, they never get longer. <laughs> so I
1: mean, that's true, I guess.
0: Yeah. Regardless, we are coming down to the end and I know that. Uh, In typical Sacred Realms fashion, what we would be doing next is putting up a poll in our Patreon where we invite our patrons to vote on which game we play next. In this case, it's going to be a uh, 3D game because we bounce back and forth between the 3Ds and the top downs. However, we are going to be making a slight change to the way that uh, we go about this whole process this time around. And there's a very good reason for that, which I think... Everyone is going to be very excited by I know I'm very excited to take this jump and it truly is a jump right I mean it's a it's a leap
1: off of a very deep diving board (laughs) high dive cliff esque
0: Matt and I yeah exactly Matt and I have gone ahead and we have decided what we are going to be playing next and uh, do you just want to go ahead and tell them what it is Matt.
1: I do. So we have made the exec- co-executive decision that we are going to be starting our journey through Breath of the Wild uh, in our next game. And that means a lot of things. Uh, and a lot of that will be very different from our uh, last four seasons. Um, the episodes will be structured differently. Um, and we're, we're going to be on a very different kind of journey that we are very excited to go through. And just so everyone is aware, the reason we are doing this now is because we want to be done with breath of the wild, have that out well in advance of the breath of the wild too, which we have been promised by Nintendo is coming out at the end of next year or sometime next year, we, we assume at the end of next year. So what we didn't want to do was do Breath of the Wild. And then as soon as we were done with that season, Breath of the Wild 2 comes out. And, and obviously, just like we do with Skyward Sword HD, we're going to try our hardest to do Breath of the Wild 2 as close to release date as possible. So we're trying to get ahead of the Breath of the Wild curve and uh, get that rolling and out there. So, Lyndon, let's talk a little bit about what that means before we get to that season.
0: Yeah, so Matt and I still have to have some conversations about in what specific ways we're going to alter the format of this show to accommodate Breath of the Wild. I think we, we definitely know, and I'm sure you all would agree, that uh, you know the typical way that we've been analyzing these games is going to need some adjustment um, to account for the very unique kind of game that Breath of the Wild is. Uh, and, you know, we, we had always said that we were going to get around to it before Breath of the Wild 2 came out. I think we just realized that time was kind of running out for us on that. And so that's the biggest reason that we're just kind of, um, eschewing the voting process for this one, because, uh, you know, we know we want to do Breath of the Wild and we think that now is the time. So after Breath of the Wild is done, we will of course get back on a regular cadence of allowing our patrons to vote on what we play next. But anywho, um. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really great season. I think there's obvious, obviously there's going to be a lot to dig into, but I'm just excited for the different way that the show is going to evolve in light of that very different game.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, We will be taking a short hiatus at the end of this season as we uh, go through and begin the playthrough. And uh, start laying the groundwork of some of the episodes. So um, I know normally you guys are accustomed to not having any season breaks. So we've gone four seasons now, back to back, no stoppages. Um, But moving from the end of A Link to the Past into Breath of the Wild, we will have a short, unknown exactly how long hiatus between the end of this season and the beginning of Breath of the Wild. Um, For those of you who are our patrons, we'll be putting up some information on the Patreon about what that means for you and for your uh, wonderful donations that you supply on a monthly basis. Uh, So more information to come specifically to our patrons, But for our just avid listeners, uh, if you haven't listened to the backlog of episodes, go do that while we're on hiatus. Uh, If you have already done that, go catch up on some other amazing podcasters Mm -hmm. like our friends over at Hyrule Podcasters. I
0: I will say that um, for for the patrons, most of the people who are in there, we've said this before, are subbed at the uh, trading card level. And I'm expecting the trading cards to continue even while we're on hiatus. So for most of you, you're going to continue, you know, you're going to continue getting the benefits that you've always gotten. So, um, should be no major disruption there. But, uh, Yeah, um, as far as the hiatus itself goes, I think we've been back and forth on just how long that's going to be. The main reason is that it's just going to be so hard for us to play Breath of the Wild and record an episode week to week the way we have been with these other games because it just demands so much more time. Um, And, you know, with Matt being busy at work and me starting a new job, we just didn't want to feel like we were... um,
1: Rushing it. Yeah,
0: we don't want to give any part of Breath of the Wild the short shrift and... Uh, you know, we, we, we want to give it the time that it really deserves um, for us to be able to analyze it as critically as possible. So, yeah, I mean, my best guess is probably going to be like somewhere in the like month and a half to two month range uh, while we play and, you know, get a few episodes recorded up front and just, you know, put, put ourselves in a good place to be able to deliver weekly content once we are back online with it. So anywho, a lot of questions uh, still to answer and get figured out on that. We will, of course, publish a more exact schedule as we get closer to that date and we, we really look forward to hearing what you guys have to say about that plan on our social channels um, if you have any suggestions for things that you'd like to see us cover in the Breath of the Wild season please um, mm-hmm. yeah, send those over to us if you have um, a suggestion for like a specific way that you think we should handle format or um, you know ways that we should uh, edit the Sacred Realms rundown because of course we're not going to have like dungeons or anything like that um, yeah, I mean we've got the divine beast, but it's it's, it's just going to be so different. Um, we are open to hearing all of that feedback, and we will of course incorporate it um, gladly, assuming that it's a you know good idea. The if it's a terrible idea, we're back. not going to do it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, be sure to subscribe to our social channels for more information regarding how long the hiatus is going to be and when our startup is coming back. So uh, we'll be posting on Twitter mostly. Uh, will be where you'll be getting most of our uh, scheduled content. So uh, if you want to be tuned in. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram. We will be able to get all, all the information on when we will be reappearing in your uh, podcast downloads.
0: Sounds right to me. Who man. We've been sitting on that one for a while, Matt.
1: We have. Uh, it's good to get it out in the air. It's good to talk about it. Just let let the laundry out.
0: <laughs> oh, you don't want to keep that stuff in, Matt. You keep that no, stuff no, in too it long. Gets, it's bad. It's like...
1: Yeah, it gets like a funky smell and you just don't like it.
0: (laughs) Don't want that funky podcast secret smell. Not about that. No, we don't
1: like that. We don't like that. We (laughs) want to be nice and clean and crisp. So it's this... uh this simile has uh, run its course, so let's move on. It metaphor, truly has. Metaphor. It's time metaphors run its course. Let's go.
0: It's time to it's time to shoot that straight out the escape pod hatch <laughs> and do <laughs> do something better.
1: <laughs> drop it down the drop it down into the rancor pit
0: into the garbage. Where there street. is
1: not a ra- where there is not a rancor anymore.
0: There is not a rancor anymore. Wonder what happened to it, poor guy. Uh, I
1: don't know. It uh, hmm. seems like something happened in maybe one of the movies. I don't know.
0: Interesting. Alright guys, well, without further ado, let's talk about what we played this week. We do that, of course, every week in the Sacred Realms Rundown, which is a six-part analysis of what we played this week and the feelings that it made us feel. Part one of the Sacred Realms Rundown is, as always, the plot recap as read by Matt Sermashu. Oh, that is me. Take it away.
1: With only two maidens to go, we head to take a look at our map and see what our next stop should be. It appears that our next stop is in the far southwest of the map, the area that in our world is encompassed by the desert where we claim the second pendant. Heading there in the dark world, however, is fruitless as it is impassable. Even a sign in the area declaims it as Misery Mire and says that it is a dead end. Since we can, can progress no further here, we use our magic mirror and head back to the light world to find the path forward. We explore the desert, trying to find a portal to the dark world within the region, but none presents itself within reach on ground floor. We do see a ledge that is unreachable by normal means, but luckily, we have the flute from the boy in the woods that calls the flying rooster to us. Hoping this will work, we summon the handy birdo oh friend and travel to this desert drop-off point. There we find a hefty stone that we can lift with the titan mitts. Just as the entrance to the Ice Palace was in our world, so too is the entrance to Misery Mire. In stark contrast to the arid desert, this is a place of constant rain and storm that has turned the land around us into a forbidding swamp full of evil-looking plant life and monsters. The entrance to the dungeon is not immediately noticeable, but in exploring the region we find a fairy fountain and a piece of heart. In the middle of this area, where the entrance to the dungeon in the light world stood, is a symbol bearing the sigil found on the ether medallion. Using our master puzzle-solving skills, we stand upon this symbol and use the medallion. To our astonishment, the rain and storms cease, and the giant swamp plant in front of us rises out of the ground to reveal the entrance in the shape of a massive skull. As we proceed inside, the dungeon before us is a massive maze of impassable walls and the ever-present blue and orange switch tiles. We quickly find our way to the big chest, which contains the item we need, but without the big key, we cannot yet open it. Many of the pathways in this place lead to dead ends or seemingly useless rooms, and each has enemies and traps within. A new enemy appears to hinder us as we progress. Whiz robes appear and disappear, shooting magic at us but with careful timing, we defeat them when possible and move along. After gathering many small keys, going through tons of doors, and using the magic cape frequently to avoid floor spikes and other traps, we finally find the big key. Heading back to the entrance of the dungeon, we return to the big chest and find the cane of Samaria. This odd magical item produces solid blocks where it hits, and not much else that we can see at this time, but we are positive that this will come in handy soon, and would have been massively helpful in the Ice Cavern too. (laughs) Moving through the dungeon, we find another switch that requires (laughs) constant pressure to keep the needed door open, and our new item comes in clutch. Beyond are more puzzles, areas of near-total darkness, and more switches to hit, but eventually we find our way to the final room and the last door requiring the big key. Within is a disgusting mass of goo that is filled with disembodied gigantic eyeballs. Vitreous, which is this particular boss's name, routinely sends out multiple of its smaller eyes from the safety of its goo to attack us. And while we swing away with the Master Sword, the largest eye peeks out and shoots waves of lightning at us. After most of its smaller eyes have been gouged out, the largest eye leaves its goo to attack us itself. But eyes are no match for our trusty bow and arrow, and after a dozen or so arrows pierce its retina, Vitreus explodes. The sixth maiden descends in her crystal and tells us how Ganon captured the maidens of the light world using his pawn Agonim, because his own power was insufficient to fully break the seal protecting the Triforce. Only Zelda remains locked away within the Turtle Rock, and we must hurry to her rescue before Ganon can claim the ultimate prize. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce.
0: This has been the Sacred Realms rundown, or er, excuse me, I boof. Whoa, whoa, let's start that one over. This has been the plot recap, as read by Matt. Part two of the Sacred Realms rundown is our takes, where we talk about how this section of the game made us feel and um look. I just want to get right into it and say that I think, you know, we've talked a lot about the extent to which this game is not really handholdy at all. Mm-hmm. And and I think that the the whole um, sequence of events that is required to get you into the dungeon is probably the least handholdy thing that this game has ever done. You know, I mean, if 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 anything else beats it out, then I'm not sure what it is. But I kind of like that. Um, I I don't mind that level of. uh. I guess, man. I'm gonna have to put. A, I'm gonna have to put a dollar in the um, in the uh, not opacity. The um,
1: opaque,
0: uh, obtuse. Obtuse. Yeah, obtuse. Yeah, I'm gonna have obtuse. to gonna, obtuse jar. I'm gonna have to put a dollar in the obtuse jar.
1: <laughs> but um, <laughs> one of our favorite descriptors of this game.
0: Yeah, I know, right? But uh, I I think that this was like this kind of rode a line, and not, I'm not even sure where that line begins or ends, but. It was fun for me, regardless of it being kind of, uh, you know, not very um, uh, not very easy to discern um, just by in game clues. How did you feel about it, Matt?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I actually didn't have too hard of a time with it just because this is the third or fourth time that we've had to do something similar to this, right? Where we have to go into the light world in order to go then into the dark world in order to get where we need to be. So, like, you know, just thinking the Swamp Palace where we have to go into the light world to drain the dam, the ice cavern, obviously, where we had to go into the light world and, and find the the portal. Um, I I've spent a lot of time while I've been exploring and... Um, looking for items and, and pieces apart around that area of the map um, because I was convinced in the beginning of the game that there was some secret way that I could get to that area. And, you know, so I knew that there was no way to get to misery Mire within the dark world. So I guess for, for me, I wouldn't say that it was entirely obtuse Jing Chi Ching mm. um, because I was expecting it to, to a certain degree. Um, of like, okay, I know this is where I need to go. I know that I cannot get there in the dark world. And then, um, you know, I like to do the fast travel because walking around is just for peasants. So, uh, I was like, oh, look, there's a, there's a fast travel point in the desert. That seems cool. I don't know have I used that one yet. Flew over there and I was like, oh, I'm on this ledge. There's this black, uh, thing that you have supposed to put with the Titan. That's, that's eerily similar to what we did with the ice cavern. Boop, boop. And there we go. I was like, oh, hey. That was fun. Um, what I will say though is getting into the temple, if you don't already have the ether medallion, good luck. Good luck figuring that one out because that symbol with a lightning bolt on it is going to mean absolutely nothing to you unless you have the Ether Medallion, which I just yep. happened to have because when I was exploring the Tower of Hera, I, I ran into the thing off to the west that had this little tablet that was like, come here with the Master Sword. You'll get an item. I was like, oh, okay, cool. We'll go do that. Um, so again, had I not just like kind of explored around as much as I did, there is no way in hell I ever would have found the interest of this dungeon. I never would have found out how to get in there, and I never would have found... Um, I never would have found the ether medallion. And if you don't have the fast travel, uh, flute and rooster, how are you supposed to get up to that ledge? Like there are so many things that you're required to have before you get here that if you didn't have them, this would be an almost impassable section of the game. And again, had I not had them in a different time when we're not doing this for the podcast, I would have been probably so frustrated. I would have been like, I don't even know what to do, you know, throw it away if I don't have FAQs, you know, back in the nineties when this came out or, uh, you know, uh, like I can easily see this as being a quitting point for people who don't have the required things. Yeah. And and, uh, especially back in the nineties when it wasn't as easy as a Google search, but like, man, I can see how this would be frustrating.
0: I definitely agree with that. Um, so the first time that I ever played this, I didn't I, I think that's probably the absolute worst case scenario of like ways that you could encounter this section of the game. Um, I didn't have it quite that bad. The first time I played Link to the Past, I did have the flute and I had done that whole thing. What I had not done was found any medallions. Um I just had not found them as part of my exploration and so like if you've already found like maybe say the Bamos medallion or something then at least you've like you see that medallion symbol on the on the ground and at least you've got like some context as to what that could be. So so yeah, I mean it it wasn't as bad as it could have been for me, but I still had a really tough time with it um because I saw that symbol and I knew it had to mean something. I knew it had to correspond to an ability, but it just led to a lot of looking around, trying to figure out. And and so once I did find my first medallion after that, it wasn't even the correct one, but I, I had found one at that point and I was like, okay, I understand the, the visual language of a medallion in this game now. So I guess I just have to find the correct medallion. That's going to get me in here. Um, and yeah, like I won't pretend that wasn't frustrating, but, uh, yeah, like you right. said, could be worse. Um, I do think it's a little disappointing because the Ether Medallion, once you have it, I don't think you really – like there's no situation where I would really want to use it versus like the Bombos Medallion. And so it really does kind of exist simply to get you into this dungeon,
1: you know? Yeah, like I honestly don't even know outside of this what does it even do.
0: Um I'm sure it has some enemy damaging properties. I mean, you know, uh, Max Malora, please feel free to hit us up on Twitter. And I'm sure you're shouting through the shouting at your uh, at your computer's phones whatever right now just like it does this. Yeah, we don't <laughs> we don't know. I didn't try to use it on anything else, but I nah, mean either. Yeah. Um so yeah, the whole getting into the dungeon with the medallion is obviously, you know, it's it's an interesting little puzzle. Um the thing that kind of trips me up about the Using the flute to get into the desert in the first place is just that there has never been a point in the game before now where you use the flute to get to an inaccessible area. And I'm not saying I think it's unfair that they that they made that decision. Like, I think it, you know, is cool and adds some interesting difficulty to your exploration. But um the first time that I played this, it took me a while to realize that I needed to do that just because the function of using the flute and the bird was so ingrained to me. It's just a fast travel thing, like a way to get back mm-hmm. to places that I'd been before. And it might be a little different if the overworld had like if if there was some kind of statue or something where the bird dropped you off at.
1: Right. There's no there's no indicator to tell you like where exactly on on the geographic, like you can see it kind of macro view on the map when you're doing the fast travel, but you're like, but where does that correspond to exactly? I don't know. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It would be nice. Like, like the bird or like the owl statues in Majora's Mask.
0: Yeah. Like ex- it, yes. Exactly. Actually, that's a really, really great comparison. And you know, Max said it last week. This is a very '90s game design kind of thing to do. And I, I don't even think it's the most <laughs> '90s game design thing that that this game does. So I'll, I'll give it a pass. I think it's fine. Um, once you figure it yeah. out, there is a cool moment of just like, oh, damn! Like I figured it out. I got there. That's always a fun moment in Zelda games. I feel oh, like absolutely.
1: That's the, that's like the uh, that's the dopamine rush that all Zelda. Gamers chase. So, yeah. Ah, yeah. Figure yeah. that out. Yeah. Beat the it, boss. It's yeah. solve the puzzle.
0: It's that dragon. We're all chasing Matt. <laughs> <laughs> this one is less illegal than most. This one is less illegal than most chaseable dragons. You can uh, <laughs> you take that to the bank. Yeah, oh, put, man. That,
1: put that on your quotes calendars or whatever. I don't know.
0: I don't, people don't, still do that. <laughs> there's quotes calendars or a thing.
1: I don't know.
0: I'm just making something up. Okay, neat. Um, So moving on past how we actually get into the dungeon and discover um, the swamp. What is it? The Swamp of Sorrow? I was calling it Mis-
1: Mi- Misery Mire. Well,
0: the dungeon is Misery Mire, but the swamp is called something oh. else. It's like it's the desert of mystery in the light world. And I think it's the swamp of sorrow in the dark world or the swamp of despair or something very glum sounding. I don't
1: know. Uh, ZeldaDungeon.net just calls it misery mire and nothing else. So I don't know if it is something else. I don't know what it is. Hmm. We'll go- I like swamp of despair. So that was a good one. Uh,
0: I want to talk about that environment real quick because we have a return of the really cool super Nintendo thunder sound effect from the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. That kind of like crunchy, um, bassy sound effect, yep. which I, which I think is really cool. Um, it's an interesting area to look at. I've talked before about how I think there are some interesting like biomes that the 16-bit graphical style is able to achieve in this game, and this is definitely one of them. I think that the mm-hmm. the swamp of despair looks uh it looks cool from an environmental standpoint.
1: Yeah, it's like the the uh the flora of this swamp feels like dangerous. Like I I thought I honestly thought that like if I walked into any of these flower things, I was going to get hurt or they mm-hmm. would try to eat me and they didn't, which was, yeah, I kind of wish they did. But, um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's spooky looking. It's scary. Like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be walking around in this swamp.
0: It's kind of like Woodfall and the Southern Swamp. in yeah, um, it, it in Dora's is mask it, in that way.
1: It's very Southern Swamp vibes. Yeah. Southern Swamp was creepy, dude. Like the more I think about that game in general,
0: Oh That's yeah! Very oh yeah! No doubt! No doubt! But yeah, I think I think it's a cool environment. Um, there was a little bit less interesting stuff to find in and around here than I was kind of hoping that there would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we're also kind of getting towards the end of the game right now, and,
1: and we have most everything at this point, right? So like, eh, it's fair.
0: We we do. Although I still do not. You said the, the cane of Burna was the optional one, right? The cane of Samaria yeah. is the one we get. Is what
1: we get here. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. I still do not have the cane of Burna. Um, I don't
1: either. I should probably go find that at some point. Yeah, I
0: know. Right. Um, But anyway, yeah, we're getting close to the end of the game. So I'm cool with there being a little bit less to kind of just go out and discover. Obviously, there's still some heart pieces kind of hanging around. But for the most part, that's all we're really going to get at this point. Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my general thoughts on this section of the game overall. Um, Do you think that there's anything relevant to talk about that is not just the whole journey of getting into the swamp and into the dungeon?
1: I don't know necessarily about relevant, but I did go and visit Link's house area in the dark world, the bomb shop. And I feel like that's important for later.
0: Did you, uh, um, did you purchase anything at the bomb shop?
1: He only had just a cluster of rego bombs. So I was like, I didn't need those. Hmm. Okay. So i but... I when I walked in there and the title was Bomb Shop, my immediate thought was that little squid thingy told me I needed something more than normal bombs to enter the you know pyramid thing. So when I entered and it said Bomb Shop, I was kind of hoping he would have something. So maybe I'll go back. Well, now that i beaten this one,
0: there might just be a connection there that you might find at some point, Matt. I who's, see.
1: That's what I was. That's what I was thinking. Who's
0: to, Who's to say? I but, don't know. <laughs> but regardless, not something that is um, going to be a huge deal for the rest of this episode. But we will check in on it later.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I mean, uh, yeah. Other than that little interesting tidbit that I found, I I didn't really do much exploring outside of um going from where we ended last week, you know, at the ice, at the ice cavern, just straight over, which is the only reason that I stopped by, um, the link's house here is cause I walked right by it and I was like, Oh, I'll just stop by in here and see what's up. Well, and so, you know, you just traverse that. And then, uh, I was like, Oh yeah, can't get in there this way. Boom. Magic mirror. And then I didn't do any exploration at all in the light world. So I just kind of went straight path.
0: Well, you know what, Matt? My experience was exactly the same. Do you know what that means for us?
1: That we need to move on to part three.
0: Part three, which is the dungeon map, where we talk about this week's dungeon, from mechanics to music and more. The dungeon that we're talking about is Misery Mire, and, uh... Uh, I, it's, you know, just gonna, I guess, just get right out there and say that it's one that I really enjoyed quite a lot. Um, This is definitely uh i don't want to say it's my favorite dungeon of the game so far i'm gonna have to have like a really honest think about that at the end of the game Mm -hmm. and try and decide which one is because there's been some really good ones recently but anyway i enjoyed it quite a lot it had just that right level of complexity that i'm always looking for um had a cool item had a lot of um you know moving between multiple floors and lots of key action which um I would say that is something that we haven't gotten quite as much of in this game, especially when you compare it to, like, Link's Awakening. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Where were you at with it, just generally?
1: Yeah, I mean, I did really like it. I um, So, like I told you, I did a lot of upfront exploration of this dungeon. So I I'm one of those guys who, if I can tell which path is the right path to go down, I'm going to take the opposite path so that I get (laughs) as much exploration done as possible until I absolutely like have to progress forward in the dungeon. So this was a perfect dungeon for that style of uh, play because I was able to find most of the points of interest before I even, you know, got too terribly far into the main segment right so um i i did enjoy it a lot it was it was a lot of fun this is one of those tricky dungeons though that when i came to the end of the dungeon i knew that i had missed a small key somewhere but i was still able to go all the way through so i felt like by the time that i ended that i had missed something which was a very odd like for me, I like to 100% complete dungeons as much as possible. And so it was a very weird feeling like, Oh my God, I think I missed something, but I'm in the boss room and like, okay, maybe I didn't, I don't know. You know, kind of, moment.
0: So I got that key as well and I will say that it does it is actually for something at least it's not as bad as in Key Cavern in Link's Awakening where you can do nothing. Yeah you you can end that dungeon with a key that you just but that's like impossible to use. Um,
1: Yeah that was that threw me off so bad.
0: (laughs) This one does go to something but if it makes you feel better the only thing that that extra key goes to is a rupee room on the bottom floor as you're kind of getting close to the boss and uh, if you're anything like me you're kind of flush with cash at the moment anyway so at all times yeah so who cares <laughs> um you're not missing much uh yeah so i actually play dungeons in a very it's a, it's a little bit of a different way to what you do but i think it probably comes to the same thing in terms of the rate at which we're discovering things um what i typically do is i'll go into a room and i will start exploring room to room um, beginning with the room that is closest to me. And then I'll kind of go as f- like, I'll, I'll go a fair way into the room. And then if I get the feeling that I'm being taken very deeply into the dungeon, then I'll kind of backtrack a bit and check out the other rooms, you know? Yep. Um, especially if I've gone quite a while without getting a key or an item. Um, The last thing I want to do is get super far into the dungeon, hit a key door and then have to go all the way back, you know? So I kind of try to, um, I kind of try and poke around as much as possible right when I, Right. When I first get in and you're right, this dungeon does lend itself very well to that. There's a lot of labyrinthine qualities to it. Um, There's a really cool. So obviously we have multiple floors of the dungeon, but in the main room, we've also got that really fun SNES thing that um, Super Mario World does where you've got depth of field behind a chain link. You know, so like we've got like an upper and lower floor within the main room and you could see below to the lower floor. It was funny because I was thinking to myself as I was playing this, that in a lot of ways, this dungeon (laughs) is probably the most similar that we've had in A Link to the Past so far to a dungeon that would be in Link's Awakening. And the only main difference that I can really think of um that would not have been possible in Link's Awakening is that depth of field with the chain link floor in the main room. In the Game Boy, they could not have pulled that off. And so it was also not done in the uh, Switch.
1: Really? That's interesting. Yeah. I, I never realized that.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, just it's, I wouldn't say that that's like super important or mega consequential, but it's, it's neato it's bandito. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, you're, you're right. So to me, this felt like, a slightly more fleshed out iteration of Gargoyle's domain, um, with the multi multi-feel, more rooms, less blind spots, um, more keys. So it, it felt like a good step forward from you know gargoyle's domain. It felt very dissimilar from uh Ice Cavern, obviously. Yes. Um yes. And so I, I feel like I feel like there was a good uh, symmetry, maybe is the right word, um, between between those two dungeons, so uh, Gar- Gargoyle's Domain and and this one. So uh, I liked it a lot. Um, I, I
0: do think they have a very similar layout if you were just to look at them on the map. I mean, they're like you said, they're both super different from Ice Cavern because where Ice Cavern has got like ten very small floors, this one has like two decently sprawling floors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that I still preferred this dungeon quite a bit over gargoyle's domain just because even though they share a similar amount of space the puzzles in this one are just a lot more involved and a lot more fun like i think there's a lot more exploration and critical thinking that needs to be done in this dungeon versus gargoyle's domain
1: yeah i would say the puzzles are definitely a lot more fun what i was a little bit disappointed was that um there were so many non-damageable enemies in this dungeon um the floor traps that shoot fire the fire fireball snakes and then the a lot of anti fairies, which obviously you can use magic powder on those. But then there's also the little pulsing lights that look kind of like anti fairies, but they're like they go purple and pink. And yeah. Yellow. No,
0: no, so I know. There's just know there's a mean.
1: lot of there's a lot of non damageable traps, which I, like they're fine in my opinion, most of the time. But when you just like that's kind of your main I don't want to say it's the main mechanic, but it's like that's your main enemy type. I think that'd be fair to say that the main enemy type in this dungeon is non-damageable traps. I'm just like, mm, eh,
0: well, with the not main fave, you, sure, but with the main exception, of course, being the Wizrobes, which,
1: well, yeah, I mean, Wizrobes yeah, are great. Yeah. I love fighting Wizrobes; they're fun.
0: I always, I always associate the appearance of Wizrobes in top-down Zelda games with like, oh, this is where things get difficult, right? Right, uh, because they are just that kind of enemy um they mm-hmm. they're not unfair but they have a cadence that you have to learn and certain very specific ways in which you can beat them and i i just think that makes them a great very challenging enemy to fight against
1: it's yeah nice. i will say that these wiz are generally a lot easier than wiz that i've fought in other games because they always appear in the same place so yeah. they they appear and disappear in the exact same place unlike in if i'm remembering correctly in Link's awakening they moved between like two or three different places. It was the same two or three different places, but they, they did move around. Um, and obviously Majora's mask being another one where you have was He's got his tile spawn locations. Um, so, you know, th- these wiz robes were obviously an early iteration of Wizrobe in general. So yeah, just an enemy type that does what they do very cool uh very cool in- invention
0: whiz robes are one of those zelda enemies that are that tend to be just so vastly different in any place that they appear i mean like in majora's mask obviously they're like mini bosses you know and they yep. they are very different than how they are here in uh, breath of the wild they're roaming enemies that you get elemental rods from and they don't even i mean i guess they do kind of disappear and warp <laughs> around but like still they're you know they're far less stationary than they are in this game. So Mm -hmm. yeah, one of those cool Zelda enemies, like I feel like Moblins for instance, or Stalfos or whatever. I mean, even though they look different from game to game, they tend to be always kind of the same behave, mostly different or mostly the same. Um, Yeah. yeah, So yeah, but Wizrobes, yay, Wizrobes, they're fun to fight against. Um, Yeah. I do think that a lot of the difficulty of this dungeon does come from the high amount of non-damageable enemies. I don't, have an issue with that really um i kind of i know that this is one of the things that frustrates you the most about top-down games is just the amount to which difficulty is derived from not walking into things Mm -hmm. um yep and I, i lord knows i completely understand why you would be frustrated by that but it's never been a thing that's really gotten to me too much um there were a few interesting puzzles that, that kind of happened in here. One of the ones that I really enjoyed was in the process of figuring out how to move the wall in the four torches area mm-hmm. um, that was really cool involved some neat block puzzle mechanics um, and then also you having to exit and re-enter the room in a specific uh like like if you if you mess them up you've got to go out and come back in to reset them you know yep. So that was a good time. And I I always just think it's fun when you do something and it makes a giant wall move and it actually changes the layout (laughs) of the dungeon.
1: Yep. So I actually did that puzzle without even going into the next room to see what was in the next room. It is a classic Zelda trope to light the torches, right? So I lit the two torches in the first room and nothing happened. And I was like, cool, whatever. So I moved on and there were two torches in the next room. and I was like, oh, the same thing. So I kind of figured that I had to do that. And as soon as I finished it, The you know, obviously, the whole thing stops and then the screen just goes and you hear this,
0: yeah,
1: and it goes on for like a solid almost minute. And I was like, Well, that's a good noise.
0: Did you (laughs) were you worried that because I was actually thinking this too while that was happening? Um, were you worried that you maybe like broke the game or something? I was a little bit, yeah, because
1: I because I did break the game in the ice cavern at one point where I my my link like he hit, I was sprinting. I don't know if I said this on last week's episode, but there was a point in the ice cavern where I was doing the Pegasus dash and I hit a brick and it like, it popped him back, but then he was stuck in the run animation and couldn't move. And like, I couldn't turn him or do anything. So I had to like stop and restart the game. Yeah. And, uh, so that was another point of frustration with the ice cavern, but it was, so the thing started doing that. And I was like, this is going on for a really long time. I hope this isn't broken. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> eventually I, it stopped. So I it definitely
0: fun. had a moment where like the rumble was happening, the sound effects going on, still going, still going I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to take a drink and see if, uh, <laughs> see if this finishes up anytime soon. And it does finally end, but it is an awkwardly long little rumbly animation. So yeah. Anywho, I did think that that was a lot of fun. So you didn't actually – you you said you did not go into the the room that requires expanding before you actually did the expanding? Yeah. Okay, cool. I do think it's interesting in that room. Obviously, you go in, and the next thing you have to do is drop down to the floor below. But To get
1: the big key, yeah.
0: Right. But the thing is that um, there is a different way sometimes in this game that uh, pits – in which you can safely drop down are visually represented.
1: Yes. I have noticed that because there have been a few times in other dungeons where I've tried to jump through one of those pits and it just hurts me. And I'm like, Hmm, fake it out. It's getting faked out here. So yes. Yes.
0: So, uh, and that's just like an interesting, probably peculiarity of like, I mean, maybe, um, just something that was kind of overlooked in the development process and like would be streamlined in a more modern game. But any who yeah. it's, well, it's, a fun quirk of older games. But <laughs> it's a
1: fun quirk.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the staff of Samaria, which um, I think is an interesting item in concept and in practice is maybe not used for the most interesting stuff in the world. And then let's also talk about how much this item would have meant for you to have in the ice palace.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so Last week, um, Melora and Max—I don't know if this was during the podcast or after the podcast—told told us about speedrunners who go and get the cane of Samaria before they go and get the uh, before they go and do the ice cavern. Man, if I ever play this game again, I will be doing that <laughs> because I never ever want to do the eek or the block puzzle ever again. That yeah. was so miserable. <laughs> But here's the Um, question
0: that I have, like, does the amount of time that it takes you to circumnavigate Ice Palace and come back to the boss room, like, that can't be any more than it takes to go all the way out and go to this dungeon and get the staff and then come back, right?
1: Well, so, if speedrunners do it, the answer is obviously this is the fastest way to do it. Well, that's Uh, fair. The other point that I would have to that is that by the time you get the Cane of Samaria— you are base, you're like three quarters of the way through with, with this dungeon. So you could theoretically beat this dungeon. I don't think you need anything from the ice cavern to beat this boss. Like obviously you want the blue armor because it's just amazing. but um, so like you theoretically could beat this entire dungeon before you even beat the ice cavern. So you could do that and then go beat ice cavern or you could go get cane of Samaria, go back to the ice cavern get the blue armor, do all the things and then come back and you're three quarters done with this dungeon and just boom, boom, boom. You know, come both out in the span of, you know, call it an hour.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I think uh, maybe next time I play this game, that's the way that I'll do it. I'm intrigued by the concept of sequence breaks. I think Mm -hmm. um, there are some games where you can do them and it's definitely like you're breaking something like in links. Awakening it's actually possible in the game boy version to you can, there's a weird thing you can do in the transition between screens And if you hit the right button at the right time, you can actually like break out of those and you can move to parts of the map that you're not supposed to be able to earlier than you're supposed to be able to. And, right. and to me, that's like that sounds interesting, but also definitely falls under the category of breaking the game.
1: Um, uh-huh.
0: But in this case, it's much more like even if it wasn't intentional, you're still abiding by the rules of the game. You're not glitching yeah. it in any way. So maybe I will do that next time. I think it's an interesting phenomenon. One thing I do want to bring up while we're talking about sequence breaks is that um, here. I'm actually here, let me go to Twitter real quick because somebody responded to us. We were talking about our whole leaving the um, gargoyle's domain to get the better sword and then it became easier to be blind thing. And
1: Yeah, didn't we read that a couple of weeks ago as a listener mail?
0: No, well so that that was uh Jonathan Wright, I believe, who was telling us the story about his grandfather. But, grandfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but this was a whole other thing. Hold on one second. Yeah, okay. So uh, yeah, it was um it was uh Mike uh, yeah, it was Mike. Mike Westfold, and uh, he he got hit us up on Twitter. Said, "Hey, at Sacred Realms Pod, listening to your side quest that you got a tempered sword before facing Blind again, and I recently learned it doesn't make a difference. No matter what weapon you use, each of Blind's heads takes three hits."
1: Well, that's annoying.
0: So I guess all <laughs> I guess all we received from our new sword was the courage to beat Blind we found it within ourselves
1: it was it was within us all the time
0: (laughs) (laughs) wow the more you know right wow here here i was feeling like a badass with my brand new sword like oh yeah blind you're going down you're not gonna know it hits you with the red sword of the sith and yeah turns out doesn't matter
1: (laughs) doesn't matter it's fine (laughs) great (laughs) thank you for that michael
0: Love to hear corrections like that. If you uh, ever have one, please respond to us on Twitter at Sacred Realms Pod. Uh, We love hearing about them. Anywho, so yeah, Sequence Breaks, Staff of Samaria um, would definitely be... Kane. not. It's not the Staff? Okay. It's Kane. Kane of Samaria would be very cool to use for that. Uh, in this dungeon, used for some light puzzle solving, um, completely useless during the boss, which you know my pet peeve about that. But yep.
1: Yeah, it is, it, is, it is one of your pet peeves. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Speaking of the boss, let's go ahead and move on to that bro, whose name is, once again, Matt, what is it?
1: Vitrius, which Vitreous. is, you know, I guess appropriate.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I'll, I'll accept that. That's one of the least weird boss names that we've had in this game so far. Yeah. Um, Honestly, what is there really to say about this guy? He's not mechanically Gross. complicated. Yeah, he's he's nasty looking. He's a he's a grody. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, mechanically uncomplicated. Um, I would say far less difficult than both blind and Mothra.
1: Oh, far less difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bow and arrow does come in clutch here. I actually found that that was the most useful um, tool.
0: Um, I, I mean, I did the whole – I just used the sword the whole time, and I wouldn't say that I was taking an outrageous amount of hits. There were a few times that the lightning kind of got me.
1: Just- yeah, that was the hardest part because he doesn't have – where he's looking is not where the lightning goes. That annoyed me because like, I was trying to anticipate where he was shooting the lightning, and so I would go where he wasn't looking. But that's not always where – yeah, it, ugh, that was kind of annoying. Yeah, so Minor pet peeve, but –
0: yeah, no, I, I, it's, Hey, it's valid, Matt. All of your feelings are valid to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, boss is dispatched decently quick. If anyone really had a hard time with this guy, I would love for you to write in and let us know, um, why that was and, and you know, what really kind of tripped you up about him. But I didn't feel like there was really a whole lot to talk about here.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, it's reading it's interesting. I'm reading zeldadungeon.net and it takes um 16 slashes with the tempered sword to defeat Vitrius, but it only takes 8 arrows. So, oh. yeah, so like apparently his his big eye and his little eyes are both far more um vulnerable to arrow hits than to anything else. So um, if you do have a hard time with vitreus just shoot him a bunch
0: i can see that being a viable strategy once you get to the big eye phase i feel like those little eyes especially some, hard yeah since mm-hmm. especially since the arrows have such kind of a very long travel time they're um, slow yeah they're they're really slow uh, i feel like that would be really hard to pull off but um and even if it was only the difference of like um two extra sword slashes versus arrows okay. i'd probably still use the sword but cutting it completely in half i mean that that's not nothing so yeah and also
1: yeah it's, it's pretty nice
0: i do appreciate the bow being like better at some things than the sword i feel like the bow in this game like it's got it's some great. it's it's got some areas where it is useful um but overall i don't find myself relying on it a whole bunch
1: yeah i, I don't either i i can think of a handful of times that I've used it over the sword. And that's mostly just before I got the sword beams and I was just shooting boblins from far away. And like, it's, yeah, it's just not, it's not a lot. You know what I mean? It's yep. no fairy bow.
0: Nope. Yep. Same for me. Complain. What is like the fairy bow though, Matt? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, nothing. We may never have the fa- a fairy bow again. It was just, too, it was too good so for this good. earth.
1: I mean, the hero's bow is pretty good too.
0: Well, they're the same bow. They're the same. They're, yeah, they're kind yeah. Of the exact same. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: Fairy bow slash hero's bow. Caveat has been stated. Indeed. Um, yeah. Um, so I think that that about wraps it up for this dungeon, Matt. Unless you had anything else that you wanted to say.
1: No, I don't think so. I, you know, I guess I will say that it was really cool to have a dungeon where I relied so heavily on the magic cape just to like move around and circumvent some of like the floor traps, um, like the floor spikes. But, um, so if you don't have the magic cape when you get into this dungeon... I can see it being pretty frustrating um, just because there are a lot of floor spikes.
0: Yes, and I actually did. I relied on that quite a bit as well, which I should have mentioned earlier. But um, yeah, it does make me wonder, like, does the game expect you to have it in time for this? I'm I'm not sure because it is completely optional. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can still beat the dungeon without it, but you're right. I think it would be significantly more difficult
1: yeah i think you you would end up just taking a lot more damage if if any if nothing else um so magic cape very very useful item for this dungeon for sure yep um but yeah it's good is it it's good dungeon it's a very yeah. good dungeon
0: yeah yeah i mean continuing the upward trend right i mean would you would, Absolutely. would you say that it's it's fair to say that the dungeons in the back half of this game are actually pretty great
1: yeah i would
0: cool I would I would say that as well.
1: If you take Igor the block out of Ice Cavern, it's probably (laughs) one of my favorite one of my favorite top down dungeons.
0: Well, you know, it sounds like the Game Boy Advance version of this game might be the one for you, Matt, because they did exactly that. So (laughs) no more Igor the block. But you know what? I, I appreciate what he represents as a completely unfair challenge for the player to overcome
1: completely unfair.
0: (laughs) I, I like him. Um, okay, well let's move on into part four, which is where we talk side quests. Did you get up to any side questy shenanigans to speak of this week? Negative. Negatorial. Hmm. Negator. Um, I got, uh, let's see, trucked through a few heart pieces. Um, I had not gotten obviously the ether medallion, but I also did not have the Bamos medallion as of last week. And I went and grabbed that guy. Um, what else did I do? There was another oh, dude.
1: one. Oh, Medallion was clutch in uh, Ice Cavern. Those rooms with all the pangators mm.
0: Yeah, I actually, I ended up just uh, spin attacking all those guys for the yeah, most part. Yeah, Um it's it's definitely harder. <laughs> um, yeah. But in a dungeon where you're fighting so hard to conserve your magic. Uh, it, That's you know, fair. Yeah. Um, let's see. So yeah, Heart Pieces, Bamos Medallion, and... There was another. Oh, the average middle-aged man. I paid him. yeah. Yes. Paid him a visit, and uh, yeah, got that chest unlocked, and that was fun.
1: That was, you got your third or fourth bottle.
0: That was my fourth bottle. I now have all the bottles.
1: I only have three. And I don't know where the fourth one is.
0: Which ones have you gotten so far? I have no idea. You've gotten the the one you have. The to one buy. you
1: buy. And I've gotten the one from the locksmith. I honestly don't remember what the other one I got. Once I don't remember.
0: Mm, have you gotten the know. Have you gotten the one from under the bridge? You would, I think you would remember so. it if you had. I don't think so. Okay, so there's one that you find under a bridge. <laughs> now you know.
1: All right, there you go. <laughs> hey, if you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, there is apparently a bottle under the bridge somewhere.
0: Yeah, which is a fun thing that top-down Zelda games do a lot is have an NPC that you discover under a bridge who gives you something cool, so
1: <laughs> there well, you go. I'll go uh, overturn some bridges or you know, dive under some bridges this week.
0: Happy, I could help you out, Matt. Let's so. get into yeah. Let's get into part five, which is Z targeting, where we lock onto fascinating characters or enemies that we happen across. Matt, who's your Z targeting pick for the week?
1: I'm gonna go with the uh, Wizrobes.
0: Ooh, enemy pick. You don't do enemy picks a whole lot. I
1: don't do enemy picks a whole lot, but I'm gonna go with Wizrobes because this is the first iteration of Wizrobes in the Zelda universe, and they're one of the most persistent and pervasive enemy types that we see in the Zelda series. So, seeing the Great, 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 great granddaddy of all wizards is uh, is a little fun. I like it. It was it was a good little uh, it was a good little moment. Good, good
0: pick, Matt. I completely support your uh your choice of z targeting. Um I always love it when you break out of the mold a little bit and do something different. Um yeah. 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 This is a bit of a cheat for me, but I really didn't find any great options this week, so you know, it is what it is. Um I'm going to go with the average middle-aged man just because I think as a character he's hysterical <laughs> and
1: yeah, his whole trope is funny. Yeah. yeah no doubt about that.
0: It's great. He's just like hanging around looking like Mario's dad, chilling out doing nothing. Uh, you know,
1: like what does he do all day every day? Just sit there? That sounds like a really boring existence. You gotta like get up and move around, and I don't know, have a hobby.
0: Well, he's trying to achieve Zen after what I can only imagine is a life of crime as a <laughs> lockpicker, right? <laughs> because that's the implication, right? That he's like a reformed yeah, no, criminal. That,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I think that's what he says when he opens the bottle. He's like, I I sit over here because I don't want the people to know that I used to be a thief.
0: Cool. Well, uh-huh. the, there we go. We want nothing but better things for him. There is a future for you. Reformation. Average middle-aged man. Yeah.
1: Reformation. It's available to all.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's get into part six, which is our final thoughts. This is where we make Matt wrap up this section of the game as a, in as succinct a way as he possibly can find it within himself to do.
1: Okay. Um. <laughs> So we continue our upward trend in difficulty and enjoyability. I'm going to make that a word. Difficulty and enjoyability of uh, linked to the Past Dungeons, uh, further showcasing its strength of laying the groundwork for the future of all Zelda dungeons while simultaneously being great dungeons in and of themselves. Uh, the path to reach the dungeon uh, while being obtuse and...
0: Undoubtedly
1: in, exactly undoubtedly incredibly difficult uh under other circumstances. Uh neither Linda nor I found very difficult this time around. Um, but can definitely see how this would be a very, very hard portion of the game to progress through. That being said, uh the dungeon was fantastic and we we had a very good time. The boss was really not much of a such, not such of a much. There just Not <laughs> such of a much, and uh, you know, we ended up getting an item and I guess that's all we can say about the cane of Samaria. It's an item.
0: Yeah. Take that vitreous. You're just not much of a such. <laughs>
1: <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> kind of like that better.
0: Oh man. Cool. Well, that has, you okay over there?
1: Yeah, no, it's my chair. My, uh, <laughs> I, accidentally, I accidentally hit the little thing that adjusts the armrest and I went, ugh, ugh.
0: can't do that, Matt. Can't hit that I know, thing.
1: I know. I don't want to hit the thing.
0: I'm Um, not Julie. I don't want to do the thing. Don't do the thing. (laughs) This has been the Sacred Realms Rundown. We will, of course, be back next week with another installment of the Sacred Realms Rundown. It's going to be linked to the past chapter 10 where we're talking about what is the final main dungeon of this game. Turtle Rock. Yep. We're coming down to the end. Of course, one of the things I love about this game, Matt, and you'll find this uh, before too long, is that it actually does have a more than decent final, like, boss dungeon area. Oh, finally. We're
1: finally going to have a game that has, like, a really good final dungeon area.
0: Yeah, I'm trying... Like, I don't think I'm misrepresenting it at all. In my memory, it is, like... Definitely more combat gauntlety than puzzle y but it is like difficult and see yes, I like that and requires some some doing. So yeah, I hope I'm not leading you astray on building your hype for, uh, for all Let's of that. Go but, yeah, but of course we have one more regular dungeon to get through before that time arrives, and I have no memory whatsoever of Turtle Rock. I have no clue what we're getting what we're getting into with that. Hey, one, neither so. do I. <laughs> well, yeah, but you never do. <laughs> Oh, man, that's been a fun one, Matt. I think I'm Always. about Oh, it's a great time. I think I'm about ready to get out of here. I don't think we have any additional announcements to make, but I do just want to reiterate one more time, as we said at the top of the show. Um, in regards to the changes that we're making with Breath of the Wild and the format of the podcast going forward for that season, please, we want to hear your feedback. We encourage all of your uh, all of your honest uh, opinions about the changes that we are making. We're making this show for you, and you know, um, if you if you've got an issue with something that we're doing, then we would love a chance to uh, correct it or speak to why we think that is the best way to go. So.
1: And if there's anything specific you want us to do, see, talk about in Breath of the Wild, let us know. It's a very big game. We've played a lot of it. We're gonna try to do most of it, but you might have seen something we haven't. If you want Matt to haven't. play
0: if you want Matt to play the entire game with only three hearts and no shirt, then I That is would, not
1: what I I'm not agreeing to that.
0: Then I would encourage you to let us know that. Right in the comments. I'm not, a,
1: I'm not agreeing to that. I don't care how many people ask me to do it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> you when, can do it. I know you can do it. Why three heart you? no, three heart no death run on master mode. Go have yourself
0: three heart no death no clothes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you have fun. I mean, at that point, three hearts with no clothes doesn't matter because if you get hit, even with full masterworked armor uh, on master mode, you're still gonna die. So.
0: Yeah, but I also don't. It's just, okay, so let me just say I'm not doing that. I want to have fun playing this game. But also, um, I I will say that I have not decided yet whether I want to play master mode or regular when we do this playthrough. Oh, I'm doing, kinda, I'm
1: not doing master mode.
0: Well, I knew that you probably wouldn't. Um, and you have you have played and beaten Breath of the Wild's master mode before. I have. Yeah. So, um, nobody call Matt like a lazy player of breath of the wild i guess but because he has done it um but i don't know i'm kind of, of two minds about whether uh, yeah i don't know um i think for expediency's sake and just getting the purest possible version of the game maybe normal mode is the best way to go but also master mode i do have fun doing it and it would present differences in the way that we uh play the
1: game um you know yeah. the only thing that I wish that you could have a normal mode that you have in master mode is the, golden, the gold Linels in normal mode without the health regen. Because the thing that I hate about master mode is the health regen combined with weapon durability is a terrible combo, in my opinion. We'll, we'll talk a lot about weapon durability in general um, <laughs> in Breath of the Wild, and cool. my very strong opinions on
0: that. Will but, we? I had no idea.
1: But when you combine weapon durability with the incredibly fast health regen that enemies have on master mode. It's like a lose, lose combo that if you're not stocked up with a thousand weapons and 500 arrows and fire arrows and everything else, like I just, I have such a hard time that like, it's just not that fun anymore. And like, like Linda said, I've beaten it on master mode. So like I generally speaking know what I'm doing, but it's not as fun for that reason.
0: Well, these are among the list of things that we will be figuring out before we actually sit down to play the game. Indeed. Yay. It's going to be be so fun. I'm looking forward to it. It is going to be fun. And you and I really need to actually figure out the way that we're doing it because we've been saying for like six months that we need to have a conversation about that. And we just have never had it. So I guess now's the time.
1: Life has kind of been (laughs) happening at a pretty fast pace.
0: Has it? I haven't noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Alright, Matt, it's been a great time, but I say we do the outro and GTFO for this week.
1: I agree. Read us out, Lyndon.
0: Sounds good. If you enjoyed today's show and you would like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com sacredrealmspod and you can become a patron. If you've got no rupees, it is not a problem. Five-star Apple Podcast reviews are a great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show. That makes us very happy Hylians. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sacred Realms Pod for updates on the podcast and for behind-the-scenes action. Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday with our thoughts on A Link to the Past, Chapter 10. We'd love for you to play along with us, and that can be done in a variety of places. A Link to the Past is available on the Game Boy Advance, a variety of eShops, on the Super Nintendo Classic, on an actual Super Nintendo, or of course on the Nintendo Switch online subscription, which is the version that Matt and I are playing. Um, In the meantime, may your hearts be full, may your arrows never miss, we will catch you guys next week. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel and Shops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameShops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences.